to a brand new hockey podcast. I know there's many out there, but if you have found or stumbled upon this one, we are greatly appreciated. Yeah, we are we are greatly we greatly appreciate it. See, we've already fucked up, but that's what makes it that's what's going to make it great. Uh, we are going to be appropriately titled The Unhealthy Scratch Podcast. And uh, we've got myself, Aaron Crouch, We've got uh, Spike. I think that's all he wants to go by. So, <laughs> yeah, I've I've been going by Spike McCynical on most of the Vegas Golden Knights forums and Reddit's and everything else because this is not a good team, and we will get to that pretty soon. But I just I I don't see how this team competes long term. Yeah, way to uh, way to blow a little bit of your load there, right in the intro. Had a boy. Yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> just let it out there. Why not? This team stinks, and so do you. <laughs> I am curious to talk about the Vegas Golden Knights. Yes, uh, and of course, the third member of the crew here is the dude, Sonny D. Um, we all kind of come from uh, sports backgrounds. We all come from podcast backgrounds. Myself and Spike uh, were uh, members of the Vegas Squares podcast, and now defunct. And uh, and Sonny D rocking the uh, Seems Legit podcast up there in Canada. Uh, are you still are you still rocking that? I am. I'm taking a bit of a break right now. Just with the kids in summertime, like for us, because our winters suck so much, you just kind of, we're lucky that we're having this kind of dry, hot uh, summer right now. So to take an hour or two out of the day, plus by the time you edit and do everything, it's just, it, it's, it's unfair to Jess and the kids. So I'm taking a little hiatus for now, but we'll be back soon. We got some exciting things planned on the, on the, on the Seems Legit podcast. So it'll be exciting when it comes back. Yeah, definitely. I remember we went on there as well, I think, during COVID time. That's right. Interesting conversation. But uh, Spike and myself, the defunct Vegas Squares podcast, talked about football betting, talked about golf betting became the big the big show there when football season wasn't in play. But uh, Spike, it's been uh, three weeks since we've kind of said uh, goodbye on the podcast. Have you been able to travel during your time off? <laughs> Uh, no, no. My work decided that as of July 1st, we were essentially going to act as if COVID never happened. So we have been kind of ramping up for that, getting ready, getting back in the office, doing the full nine to five thing, including about a 45 to 60 minute commute one way for me. So it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's been a little different, been a little interesting and having to do that you know, right at the, as the summertime was coming in is not fun, but no, no travel as of now, a couple of days planned in this, uh, the fall, but nothing as of yet for the summer. All right, fair enough. Yeah, let's, uh, let's open by saying if you are listening to this and you are a business, you have a business, you'd like to promote your business. Uh, we would love to be sponsored by you and your business or your friends and your business. Um, we can definitely, uh, we have the experience with the collaborations and we would love to be a part of that. Just uh, just uh, shoot us an email uh, as soon as the second episode comes out because I don't have an email for this podcast yet. So <laughs> we're going to be on Spotify, but I still have to actually figure out how to start Spotify. So if you've heard this, that means my trek into Spotify was successful. But um, I think full disclosure on the first podcast here, uh, the Unhealthy Scratch podcast. I think we have to divulge our teams. That way, yes. you know when your bias is showing, people know, you know, I, I, like what's going to happen. And, and I, I know that 
Spike's going to tell us first, and you're going to understand why some of the Montreal shitting on is. <laughs> so I think I think uh, we'll start with Spike, and then we'll go to the dude, and then I'll I'll round it out. We we will give our allegiances that way. You know, going forward, that it's somewhat of a biased podcast. Yeah, I mean. I don't think there is a hockey podcast out there that doesn't have at least some bias in it that isn't run by like the TSNs, ESPNs, NBCs of the world. Mm -hmm. So anything that's out there, you're going to hear bias. But yes, I am completely and 100% biased towards my two teams, the Boston Bruins and the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Boston, I am born and raised Boston. I used to joke the only reason I had a job in college was so that I could afford the occasional ticket to the Bruins. Uh, but been going to those games since about 85, moved to Vegas a long time ago, and I have Vegas Golden Knights uh, season tickets, which I expected to be just kind of a joke, but team uh, team kind of came alive, and uh, that sort of worked out. Plus, I got my wife into hockey, which, you know, more than anything, that's a reason for me to love Vegas, even though I still think the team stinks. But again, we'll get to that. All right, Thank so you. you are in. Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. However, that's, right. that's not your number one. No, I, I, my beloved Winnipeg Jets and I have a have a love hate relationship. Um, I think we both love to hate each other, and uh, which is ironic because I did hold season tickets for their AHL affiliate Manitoba Moose uh, ever since they'd come back uh, from wherever they were before St. John, so on the East Coast. Uh, but yes, no, I do follow our Jets. I talk about them, and I'm. It's because I expect so much more. That's why I'm so hard on them. But regardless, uh, they slip into the number three spot very comfortably behind uh, my Washington Capitals and my beloved Vegas Golden Knights, my team from my home away from home. So, yes, I'm very Washington-oriented. Um, I think, it, yeah, I think they're just a fun team to be or to kind of align with. They've always they've always kind of bought your affection. Like in the, from the mid nineties onward, they've always found a way to buy your affection. And I kind of like it. Like I feel, I feel a little dirty, but I like it. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. Like I said, you know, my philosophy in sports is I don't care how many teams you root for as long as they're the same every year. Yes. Yes. So, all right. I rounded up here. I also too live in Vegas. I grew up in Tampa. So my two teams are the Tampa Bay lightning number one and the Vegas golden Knights are my second favorite team. So I've got an East and a West, just like Spike and just like the dude, Sonny D here. So now that you know our allegiances that can kind of help you when you're listening to this podcast, because Montreal is going to get shit on in this podcast a lot by, uh, by Spike McAwesome here. So, or Spike McCynical, is that what the new name is? Yeah, I mean, it's whatever. It's still Spike McAwesome on Twitter, but just about everywhere else, it's uh, Spike McCynical. Yes, fair enough, fair enough. Speaking of Spike McCynical, I think the big thing has got to be for this podcast to start out with the three of us being Vegas Golden Knight fans. It's the end of an era. 29 is gone. He's in Chicago. Now, I put out a poll, uh, full disclosure, do a morning show on 12 Ounce Sports Network. Um, put out a poll on their Twitter, AM Drive, 120Z. I said, are you more mad that Flurry is gone? Or are you more mad that they got nothing in return for him? So I guess I'll pose this question to kind of kickstart the podcast here. And uh, that's my question to you, Spike, is are you more mad that Flurry's gone? Are you okay that Flurry's gone? Are you more mad that, that they just, they literally got nothing? And, and don't say cap space. I understand. But you, the Vezina winner, you can't fart out a fifth round pick for that? So between those two options, then yes, the fact that they got nothing for him is 
mesmerizing at best. It, it was one of those moves where when you heard the return, even taking into account that they were getting the cap space back, you had to think, really? That was the best offer on the table for the guy that just won the Vesna? Like there was nothing else coming out of any other team that made sense? And it just, it, it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But I, I think, you know, if Flurry's agent is to be believed, then I think the absolute worst part of this was Flurry finding out on Twitter rather than somebody from the front office calling him. I think that is the the piece that really does him dirty. And uh, yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like, it, it, the only person reporting it that way was Flurry's agent, and we know that he's not been a fan of this team from the beginning. So it's it's tough to really understand whether or not he's being truthful with that but uh, in any event like in a vacuum the move makes perfect sense like they needed the cap space they needed to make sure that you know they had a true number one goalie and we knew that was going to be robin leonard they were going to move somebody moving flurry made sense because his trade value is so high which is part of the reason why i'm kind of shocked they only got this kind of echl scrub for him uh, and it's just like, you know, we, even with the rumors that he might retire instead of playing for Chicago and even with Chicago taking on a hundred percent of his salary, just the return, like no offense to the guy. I'm sure he's like a decent dude or something, but fuck, like, let's get a hockey player at least from the deal. I mean, not just this guy that is like basically a bus driver. Well, that's the question. I'll come back to you with, with more questions on this. Sonny, I want to get your take uh, on this. I mean, are you more mad that Fleury is not a member of the Vegas Golden Knights, an original misfit? Or are you more mad at, at what came back? And I can't even pronounce it. Mike, Michael Hakakainen or whatever, however you say it. That, that's kind of how pointless this trade is. I, right. I would rather have had the picks, but, uh, you know, I, I'm more upset that, uh, that they came back for nothing because – I said over the offseason, a goalie has to be traded, and it seemed to make the most sense that it was number 29. Yeah, it's, it's weird because Robin Leonard's a weird commodity. And I know he made a, public, he made a big post either on Instagram and, or Twitter and or both about A, Marc-Andre Fleury as a teammate, and B, his own struggles uh, with what he revealed was bipolar one, I think and uh, PTSD and, and who knows what other mental health issues that's kind of correlated to and, and, and that he, he has to deal with on an ongoing basis. All of that aside, as a goalie, Robin Leonard is an interesting commodity. And so the first part is, A, I'm upset that Fleury's gone. I think that was premature. I, I've long – I mean, if – I don't even think it's an emotional decision for me. I think from a pure hockey standpoint, from a goaltending standpoint, if I was running the Golden Knights, I don't even think it would have been an option. I don't, A, Leonard wasn't getting the contract he got last year. And B, I, if I'm moving one, I think it is Leonard. I think he's a bit of an unknown commodity still. It's kind of how I feel about your boy Vasilevsky. I, I'm not sold on him just yet. And... Uh, I just I think Flurry has some good hockey. I don't know that you're upgrading. I don't know that Vegas made any moves that made them better tomorrow than they were today. And to me, whenever you make a deal, you want to be better tomorrow. And I don't know that they are. I think they took a huge step back unless they've got some master plan concocted, which I'm hoping they do. Um, I'm, I'm upset. I'm more upset to see him go. 
in terms of the price, I actually think it's the least insulting way to see him go. I think selling it as this was a pure business transaction and look, we have other things we want to accomplish. I think, yes, I would have rather seen picks than some guy whose name I don't even know, but I think you have to kind of let him go for free essentially, because if you are trying to look for a return, what do you get in return? Because now the player, now the fans are always going to link that player to Marc-Andre Fleury or those players to Marc-Andre Fleury. If it was a high draft pick, they're going to be like, well, if this guy doesn't fucking pan out, we still lost Marc-Andre Fleury. Like there's too much emotionality from a fan standpoint, especially with what flower meant to you guys. I think letting him go for free was almost the best decision um, from an offensive and trying to actually maintain the PR standpoint. It's just, I just don't agree with letting him go. I think the Vegas Golden Knights took a huge step back. I, I, I'm very concerned with what I saw. Well, the first question is, 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 is Marc-Andre Fleury $2 million better than Robin Leonard? Because yes. if it's at $5 million, absolutely. Robin Leonard's out the door. I also agree with you that, Robin Leonard should not have been given that extension. Um, it, he got lucky in the right time that Pete DeBoer came in because I'm pretty sure Gallant's going to stick with Flurry if he doesn't get fired in that spot. So the question really is, is, is Marc-Andre Flurry at 37 or whatever he is, is he $2 million better? I think the fact that he made seven and not five is what got him shipped. Also, Spike, I think the fact that Vegas is just starting to get this track record of like, let's sign a guy, Thomas Tatar, and it doesn't work for a year. He's gone. He's just gone. And that's why do you want to build a record like that? Why would any free agent want to come to you when they're, they're literally playing year to year, despite the fact they got a four or five year deal. Right. Well, yeah, that uh, we have learned to not be loyal to anybody on this team with this front office because of exactly what you're saying. And I say this as somebody who owns a dog named Schmidt. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it, it's tough because I think when this team and specifically this team, I'm not talking about any other team, any other front office, I'm talking about specifically the Vegas Golden Knights, the way the team was built, the chemistry they had that first year, even though it didn't pan out in a, a Stanley Cup, you know, the, the Stanley Cup final appearance and everything else. We thought as a city and as a fan base that that was going to be the team. And yeah, you know, players move. They, we lose players in free agency. Like shit happens. We get it. We're sports fans. We understand that those kinds of moves have to happen in major league, whatever. But the way that this team has gone out and sold assets and sold assets and sold assets and moved guys and taken fan favorites out and like had absolutely no faith in prospects and just made deal after deal after deal trying to get a winner on the ice kind of cheapens the team for, I think a lot of people in the fan base because we lost what was our identity, even though we haven't been around that long, this team lost the identity that they have after the one October shooting after that first year and the way that the city gelled around that team to lose all of that so quickly is just kind of mesmerizing. I mean, we're talking about, you know, Braden McNabb, um, Will Carrier, or no, Carrier, is Carrier still on the team? I don't even fucking know anymore. Yeah, Car um, Theodore. Uh, yeah, Carrier. Edward Belmar is gone. Belmar is gone. But uh, Carrier, I, I saw him, his name attached to a trade with the Rangers, which I guess hasn't happened. 
but they're talking about Smith as part of the package to Buffalo to get Eichel. So really it's like McNabb, Carlson, and Marcia. So as guys who were there from day one, remember Theodore and Tuck started in the AHL in yeah. Vegas's first year. So it's really just those three guys left. And that that's tough after, you know, going into your fifth season where you have like a 95% turnover rate for your players. That's difficult for a lot of the fans here to swallow. Well, not only that, I mean, you, I understand it was an accident, but you look at all, like you said, selling assets, selling players, mortgaging the future, and your best team was an accident. Yeah. Your best, your best finish was accidental. Like, no one expected that. I mean, books had them at 501. And, and then you go and get Stone, Pacioretty, or, you know, they got Dadnov now. You go and get all these guys, Petrangelo, Martinez, and you haven't been able to be better than that misfit team. No, and, and, and just for the record and for those who are listening, this is going to come out a lot, but seriously, just double and triple fuck the front office for selling Nick Suzuki the way they did. Just give me a fucking break that you couldn't see the talent that kid had. You fucking gave him. I know we got Pacioretty. He's a nice player, blah, blah, blah. But to say that Cody Glass was untouchable and that they could give up Suzuki is just like, come the fuck on this fucking front office. I, I talked about this, Sonny, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, I talked with Ken Bolke of Sinbin, who we've you know, had on the show, had on the podcast before. And I said, our worst pick in that 2017, I mean, the 2017 NHL draft first round is punted at this point. Yep. The worst pick or the, or the lowest pick returned the best player. Can we not argue that Mark Stone is the best player that's been traded for? Yeah. Yeah. Second worst pick, which was Nick Suzuki, returned the second best player, and Cody Glass returned us Nolan Patrick. So your highest prospect returned your worst return. Now, Nolan Patrick could turn it around. I don't see it happening. There's also a chance that he's not even suited up for this team. He's still technically not signed. They don't have any money to sign him. So you traded Cody Glass for potentially absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of the Oilers. When they were trading away Taylor Hall and uh, Ryan, no, they kept a Ryan um, Eberle. Yeah, they were just yeah, when they were just letting people go, they were just everyone's like, "Wow, like this is get, like somebody." And who was it? Was the guy who used to be the Boston GM? Wasn't it Shirelli? Shirelli? Yeah, yeah, Peter Shirelli was over there fucking that team up. It almost seemed deliberate. Like it almost seemed deliberate. And it's kind of coming across that way, I think, with the Golden Knights a little bit. If I, I'm going to say this, and I've said this for a couple of years now since you guys got him. The only truly untouchable player right now on your team is Ryan Reeves. That's the only guy that is truly untouchable. Like they're, that front office seems ready to go. And the only person that they're going to keep is Ryan Reeves. I hope you're joking. I really do. <laughs> Like, Ryan Reeves is your only untouchable player. Watch and see. Watch and see. They might even trade Stone if the right offer came around. Oh, my God. And Ryan Reeves is your only untouchable player. Watch and see. Watch and see. He's the only player. That's a, that, I mean, if you're letting Flurry walk, if you're signing your backup goalie to a $5 million a year extension, you can't keep any of your character players around. Um, I mean, arguably they had one of the better top lines, at least from a, from a, from a meshing standpoint, when it was what Stasny stone and Pacioretty mm-hmm. and they let Stasny walk for free. I don't even, from the Stasny move forward, they haven't looked better tomorrow than they did today. 
Like it's, it's kind of been that kind of thing. I think Pete DeBoer, I don't even know that he's your guy. He's never won a cup. No, I like, he ain't your guy. uh, That that's another sticking point for me is that when they fired uh, Gallant and then they almost immediately hired DeBoer on the basis that quote, because he coached in San Jose, he knew Vegas and he knew the players. Meanwhile, Peter fucking LaViolette, a Stanley Cup and Calder Cup winning head coach, is on the market. And I don't even think he got a fucking interview with this team. Wasn't Coach Q still around too? Dude. Did they get the board before Q came back with the, with the Panthers? Uh, I legitimately don't know. I, I've been so hyper-focused on the fact that LaViolette was passed up. I didn't even look at any other coaches at the time. I like might have been in Florida by then. I will play the devil's advocate here and feel free to enlighten me here. I think this is a caveat. I think they are better than they were last year with this roster on paper. However, I still think someone has to go. They're at the cap and they don't have, they don't have enough defensemen to play. They've got six defensemen. You generally want to carry seven. I, I just, they can't, they have, they're going to trade Nolan Patrick for Cody Glass and they don't have any money to sign him. So who leaves? Do we, do we let Ryan Reeves leave? I mean, do you, do you trade Carrier and 1.4 million for, for what? You have to trade him for picks. You can't trade or you have to trade him for LTIR space. I've said this for three years now, Ryan Reeves and Carrier both do the same thing. And the problem is Keegan Colasar does it better and for far less money. So it's time for them to go. I'm sorry. Either give Ryan Reeves the captaincy or send him on his way. Don't, 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 man, you're playing with the universe there, my friend. You're playing with the universe there. Watch and see if Stone doesn't suit up at the beginning of the season. It's because they've heard this podcast and they're like, hey, the Seon Reeves could work. The Seon Reeves could work. (laughs) So, so enlighten me here. I think this is a team that can win the Pacific because there's not a lot of other teams that can do it. Now, getting into the playoff, the key right now is Stanley Cup or bust because I think, I think the hashtag for year five is cup or clean out your desk. That's got to be. Yeah. Cup mm-hmm. or clean out your desk. Yes, I, I completely agree with that, yeah. I mean, we're looking at a situation here where we've got the top line, Stevenson, Pacioretty, Stone, Carl, you know, the misfit line obviously is line two. They were trying to beef up the third line. I think getting Yanmark back is just fine, but Dadanov on paper should be legit here. Dadunov on paper should be a great third-line scorer. I liked Dadunov quite a bit when he was on Florida, but, I mean, his numbers in Ottawa were dreadful. And maybe that's just the fact that he was on Ottawa and he had nothing and nobody around him. But I just – it worries me a little bit to see that that drastic of a drop-off. The issue I have, the fourth line ends up being Reeves, Carrier, and Kolasar. Like, what are we doing? Yes, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's probably going to be – it's going to have to be Patrick Brown centering that line, and then one of those three that you just mentioned will be a healthy scratch if they don't trade him. Patrick Brown's still a two-way contract. <laughs> I know, but at least he's a center. Who are you going to put in center? Reeves? Reeves has never taken a face-off in his life, well, except in a fight. Alden Roy or Colasar, or if Patrick, if they sign him. Hmm. Uh, I think Patrick's too good to be a fourth-line center, especially for that fourth line. He ain't making the third line. I mean, third-line center in this spot is – well, I guess who would really take the third-line center? It's got to be Anmark. Well, it would either be that or Nick Waugh. 
Now that's a guy. <laughs> Sorry. Only reason I want him hanging on is because it's still the memory of Eric Halla, who's in Beantown. We talked about this with the free agencies and stuff. So I know that you have a soft spot for him. Uh, this is a team I think that can win the Pacific and probably get about as far as they did last year. And then all bets are off with Robin. It all depends on who they face. I mean, who, who's not bad in the freaking central except for maybe Arizona. Yeah. That's, Arizona's that's even terrible depending on how motivated all these thrown away contracts are. I mean, it's not like they got, I mean, maybe Andrew Ladd, but it's not like they got terrible scrubs there. I mean, Goss is a decent defenseman. They've got a lot of decent parts there. Losing Connor Garland's probably big, but getting OEL off the books is probably good for them in that spot. And Gosses Bear taking his space. I mean, you got four million versus eight million. I'm 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 okay with Gosses Bear there. But who in the who in the central's bad? Yeah, true enough. And remember too, Chicago's always in their three cup runs is kinda and I think they made a subsequent fourth Western Conference final appearance. I think uh one of the years LA won their cup. Mm-hmm. they had to go through Chicago in the conference final. Um, but regardless, they're always a team that gets better as it goes on. So like, if you're going to fit like a Chicago, if Chicago somehow got into the playoffs, they're one of those weird teams that their best, your best chance of taking them out is early. I wouldn't want Vegas to have to face them in the third, in the Western final. Right. Like it's, it's a weird situation where it's like, yeah, they could have probably beaten them in the first round. I don't know that they're beating them now. Just like Toronto should have beaten Montreal in four games. Oops. Like it's what I think. I think you're right. When you say that, that Vegas is going to get as far as they have been getting. I don't know that they're good enough. Again, you could be in a situation where you could be worse today than you were yesterday, but still be good enough to get what you've been doing. And I think that's this, that's this awkward dynamic that Vegas has right now. They probably were comfortably good enough to be doing what they're doing and getting as far as they're getting that they had some leeway. Yeah. The team that they're icing on opening night, if this is their current roster. Yeah. It probably does win the Pacific division. Yeah. It probably does get through two rounds, but again, is this t- could this team beat the Dallas team that beat arguably, in my opinion, a better team? I don't think so. Could this team probably beat the team that beat or that lost to um, Montreal? I don't know. So again, they kind of fall in that same thing. I don't know that they've taken the steps to be better than where they're at, and I think that's what needs to be addressed. And so, yeah, when you spend kind of badly and put yourself in this situation, you're a, you're a strategic move away from being in the right place. As I've long said, if if Carey Price gets some good news in New York, and I don't know, I don't, I haven't seen any reports on the news he got. I've heard, I've seen some things where it said he got bad news, some, and then that's on, that's Instagram news. So it doesn't even matter, but I've seen some things that said he might've gotten some bad news in New York. I've seen others that said it's unknown. If he gets some decent news out of New York, doesn't require surgery, maybe just requires taking it easy, some rehabbing and whatnot. He takes a little bit of time off at the beginning of the season there's an interesting trade to be packaged up there. I think you shore that up. All of a sudden you have Carey Price in your net that you're an instant contender. Where do you find ten and a half million dollars? Even if you, you have to let go, you have to, be, you're basically letting go of a couple. You're, you're, you're basically going to make a sacrifice on this, on the five players in front of him to be like what we get having him in net is now going to make up that difference. So you're going to, you're, you're going to shed $10 million and a Marcia so type. For a guy who doesn't play half the year, though? I don't know that he's missing half the year. In all honesty, I think if, I think Kerry Price is at a point in his life and his career, if he's missing half a season, he's not coming back. 
Well, and that's the thing. That's the ironic thing. And let's talk about Kerry here. It's going to be ironic when Shea Weber doesn't come back and Kerry Price doesn't come back. And, and oh, look, who gets to go set $18 million over the cap? Oh, the Montreal Canadiens. That's going to be quite ironic. Is it? It's going to be an interesting <laughs> one. Quite ironic when that happens. So, um, Let's talk about Seattle. I mean, they've done – They've done a lot, but at the same time, they haven't done much. They've, they've made the biggest splash, I think, uh, despite the fact that, you know, there's some big names being signed and re-signed. I got to say, I thought Grubauer going to Seattle was just – I did not see that coming. And actually, that's probably the only thing that scares me the most in the Pacific is Seattle actually being better because Grubauer can get them through a regular season. Now, in the playoffs, he's probably going to give up five goals in game five, and we all know how that all works, but <laughs> – Grubauer to Seattle. Seattle with this draft. I mean, let's talk about this draft real quick. We got a brand new franchise, 32nd in the league, uh, probably the last one for a while. And, uh, you know, they had their chance to go after the Carey Prices, the Vladimir Tarasenko's, the Alex Ovechkin's, if they could have, the, the Gabriel Landeskog's uh, of the world. And they, they chose to go with a more of a developmental route. And I'm sorry, but Mark Giordano being the face of your franchise, again, pre-Philip Grubauer, just does not scream, I want to contend. But the sad thing is, <laughs> a contender in the Pacific. That's, w- that is the crazy thing. It could easily be WC2. I can see it, man. I can really see it. I don't actually, I think both wild cards are probably coming out of the Central this year. But um, they can definitely get in those top three. I mean, look at it. You have Vegas and you have yeah, which two teams in the Pacific Division are better than both Seattle and Vegas? There aren't two teams that are better than both of those two. Maybe. Like, it's – I think I think Seattle and Vegas battle it up. I could see that being the three teams. Sorry, I missed that. You cut out there for me. Sorry, I could see Vegas, Edmonton, Seattle in any order being the three teams. Yes. No love for Calgary? No. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for Blake Coleman getting overpaid in Calgary, but other than that, I don't know anything else. I don't, I don't have any hopes for Calgary. I just, I don't, I don't trust them. I don't think they're tough enough. And I don't think that I, I, I'm not sold on Jacob Markstrom. Hmm. I'm not, I'm not sold on Jacob Markstrom at all. And to be paying him 6 million. Yeah. Like that was a leap. I actually thought the best thing that Calgary might have thought of doing was maybe bringing back is uh, trying to get Holtby for cheap. I'm shocked that Dallas decided to tie up all the uh, so many of the available goalies or or kind of log jam their own goaltending situation. But regardless, yeah, Calgary. No, I, I don't. I don't see two teams in the Pacific A that are better than Vegas and Seattle. I also don't see two teams in the Pacific Division outside of potentially if if Vancouver somehow ends up getting hot outside of those top three teams that are beating any of the central teams for a wild card spot. Like, I think the Pacific is going to get their three teams in the playoffs, and that's about it. Like, yeah, I, think I, that, I think that might be the weakest division on paper right now. By, uh, and not even close. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 100% uh, Pacific's the weakest. I'm, I'm not entirely sold that Seattle – is actually better than really any of the Canadian teams in the Pacific right now. The California teams are all garbage. We can just throw them out. We can fund California. Yeah, they're they're just gonna get uh, yeah uh, the bottom three just in any order. I it, it for me what worries me about Seattle is the defense. Like Giordano's a nice pick. Alexiak's a good pick. Lazan 
probably is going to be good. Like I liked him in Boston, but he's more of a size, like bottom pairing, you know, big physical kid. Him and Susie will be the bottom pairing, most likely. I, I, I could see that. But like Hayden Flurry, eh. Hayden Flurry was a beast in Carolina, and then his, his, he just couldn't get his head on straight. Yeah, I just like, I don't know. The, I, I worry that. Grubauer may get overworked to a point where he starts letting up those three, four, five goal games on a regular basis. And I think that's when Seattle gets in trouble. And I, I, I just, I'm not convinced. I, I think you're right. I, I, I don't think they get WC two. I don't even think they finish in the top three in the Pacific. I, I think either Vancouver or Calgary leapfrogs them and Seattle misses the playoffs. I think they'll be up there. I still think they, they, beat all of the California teams, but I, I'm just, I'm not sold on the defensive core of the Seattle team to carry them deep through a regular season. Well, and that's the thing you got to ask is, you know, all these guys in the central are going to be beating each other up. I mean, there's a chance that Seattle or Vancouver, whoever, these WC2, you know, the wild card spots can both be open in a, in a sense of, you know, 90, somebody gets to 90, they might be able to defeat, you know, the fifth best team in, in, in the Central because they can only get to 86 because they play a lot of games against a lot of tough teams where, like you said, we're going to punt the three California teams at this mm-hmm. point. So, you know, you get, what, 20-ish games uh, against them. Mm-hmm. I think Seattle was going to try to compete until Grubauer signed today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think what we're going to see is Giordano is to Seattle what England was to Vegas, where you have that older presence, the leadership guy, the clubhouse guy that maybe doesn't quite have the skills anymore. Now, obviously, Giordano is by every metric imaginable a better hockey player than Derek England, but I'm talking like that clubhouse locker room guy that community guy, that face of the franchise that isn't necessarily the superstar guy, that is what we're going to see or what we should see out of Giordano. And if he ends up getting a healthy scratch, I don't think he would complain at all. He seems like a character guy that wouldn't get huffy about something like that, knowing that the team is trying to build up the younger guys and trying to find that defensive core that they can build around. Yeah, I don't understand that. And he's only under contract for one year here in Seattle. And that's, I can't imagine he's going to be a hot commodity on the open market in 22, 23. So yeah, it might be like an England type. If he does play better than the expectation, uh, he could get re-signed for obviously a lot less money than $6.75 million. Um, The only thing I didn't understand is like, if he has no ties to Seattle. So it wasn't like a Derek England thing where he had ties to Las Vegas. He made his home here. So it, I don't see him getting scratched in that, in that spot. But at the same time, I also didn't see them really trying to compete, <laughs> but you know, they've got an Alex Wenberg who they just signed to, you know, probably their top line center. I would imagine unless they decide they want to go with Yanni Gord, who's going to miss. I can't figure out what their lines are going to be. I mean, Brandon Tanev, Probably not a first liner, but probably is going to be a first liner. Jaden Schwartz is definitely a first liner. You got Jordan Everly, who's probably going to play first line, but played fourth line in New York. I mean, so trying to figure out who's going to be, you know, the the, the tiers here of first line, second line, third line, fourth line. I mean, they got a guy I never even heard of, Carson Turinsky out of Philadelphia. Never heard of the guy. I mean, I follow a lot of hockey. Never heard of the guy. So I don't know. I, I'm curious. I'm curious about Seattle. I have the under 79 and a half points. So that being said, obviously I'm not rooting for them to compete. So 
pre-Grubauer, I was all, you know, sunshine and rainbows with the, with the draft that they had. But uh, I think Grubauer may keep them in more games. I mean, I, you, can, you can argue this one here, uh, Mr. Hall of Fame Flurry. Um, I thought Grubauer was the best in that last year. Yeah. Well, uh, so it was weird for me because if you looked at Vasilevsky, Grubauer, and Flurry, and I may get exactly which categories I led wrong, but I know Flurry re- led in save percentage. I think Vasilevsky led wins and Grubauer led goals against. So they each had one of those major categories where they were leading. I liked the idea of Flurry getting the Vesna based on the fact that I think save percentage of those three is probably the best metric of how the goalie himself played rather than how the team played around him. But he started six fewer games than Vasilevsky and four fewer than Grubauer. So I thought that would be enough to count him out in such a, a shortened season. Plus the fact that if you looked at the backups in Colorado and Tampa Bay, they played significantly worse. They were not good. Very bad. Um, and then, but Leonard actually had numbers comparable to Flurry. I mean, not obviously not as good, but still comparable in the team when the Jennings. So when you look at that, you would say, okay, Vegas clearly had the better team, the better defense in front of them. The goalies had to do less work. Therefore, yes, Grubauer probably should have won the Vesna over Flurry based on that kind of information. But Flurry was a sexy pick. He did, you know, at 30 fucking nine or however old he is. Um, you know, to have never been a finalist before, I think the voters just wanted to give him that one to shut people like me up and say, all right, fine, he's probably in the Hall of Fame now. Yeah, I think actually you were the main topic of discussion in that boardroom because you're right. And that goes back to the trade, Sonny. You know, you have 31, well, I guess 30 general managers because mm-hmm. or, or you have 30 general, 31 general managers at the time who, right. who all voted Flurry as the Vesna or the majority of them voted Flurry as the Vesna. But yet when the time came to put them on the market, nobody offered a pick. Nobody yeah. could squeeze a seven out of their butt for, for this guy. Pittsburgh, I mean, Pittsburgh comes to mind obviously first, going back you know. to there. So you're telling me this guy was the – I mean, I bet if you put Andre Vasilevsky on the market, somebody's going to find a fifth-round pick. I bet <laughs> if you put Philip Grubauer on the market, he gets signed up in a day. So Flurry goes for nothing? I just I, – I don't know. I don't understand it. Yeah, it's it's so it's it is a very weird move. I think, yeah, I mean, especially it was it was kind of like a Vesna for years served almost, because he served years as the face of the of the league. He was the first goal. No, he was what the second goalie taken first overall. Rick DiPietro, I think, was the first. No, there, I think there was one in the seventies, but no. uh, DiPietro before was that, five, right? Was DiPietro? Five? Yeah, before. No, DiPietro was first overall. No, but I, oh, DiPietro oh, oh. was was drafted before Mark Andre Fleury, I believe. Okay, and I think they were both first overall. Before that, the record was Bobby Lou at number three, I believe, okay. um, for highest draft picks by a goalie. And I remember even when Bobby Lou was going that high, it was insane. And DiPietro did it because of his stick handling. He was this you know young, good looking guy, next great American goalie kind of story. I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury was supposed to be the next great Canadian goalie. I think Marc-Andre Fleury, as opposed to these other guys, kind of wore the hat he was supposed to and did what he was supposed to. He got cups. He was the consummate professional, the consummate teammate. 
I mean, Bobby Lou never got a cup. DiPietro, I mean, just still gets paid by the Islanders to not play hockey, which is amazing. Um, that when, when you consider all these things, I think it was, there wasn't a clear cut Vesna winner this year. And of those three finalists, when there isn't a clear cut one, it's like, yeah, okay, we'll give it to the guy for years served. I think it's no difference than when Pecorine won his a couple of years ago. I honestly thought that should have been Hellebuck's first Vesna. I thought, I, I thought Connor Hellebuck should actually already be at two Vesna trophies. And they gave it to Pecorine, even though that wasn't um, – oh, there you go, Michael Plassi. Okay. Uh, what was it we got? Yeah. Uh, 1968 amateur draft he was the number one overall pick so okay so yeah not something that we would have known none of us were alive for that and even in the 74 expansion draft yeah but that's right (laughs) i mean it it is it's place flurry dpatro yeah like those are the only three that have been picked number one overall yeah so i mean it's just i think it was a it was a vesna for years served more than it was like oh yeah mark andre flair was by far the best goalie i think it was just yeah pecorino when he got his a few years ago is because yeah they didn't give it to him in previous years that he maybe should have gotten it and whatnot but he finally got one i think the flurry thing's no different i think yeah it is his shoe and ticket to the hall now um i mean was he third overall in wins fourth overall or something in wins yeah something like that you know, he Same passed shutouts, Bo- I think. Yeah, he pa- he passed Bobby Lou. I mean, the bigger question isn't whether Flurry's going in the hall, it's that has he permanently kicked the door closed for Roberto Luongo? Mm. Like, will Bobby Lou kind of go down in NHL history as the best goalie to never? He never won a Vesna. He never won a cup. You can make right. a claim that in any given year, Bobby Lou might not have even ever truly been the best goalie in the league at any given year. Well, he- yeah. So I, I, I don't disagree with that. It's, uh, the difference between Flurry and Bobby Lou before this year was Flurry had never even been a finalist. He was, I think right. his best finish in the Vesna was fourth overall. And for like, 12 of his 16 years he didn't even get a vesna vote true Where, whereas luongo in 2011 would have been the runaway vesna winner if tim thomas didn't exist tim thomas's year in 2011 was yeah. unbelievable and at least luongo was right up there neck and neck with him all season flurry had never had that in his career where he was even in the conversation about the best goalies of that season well and that's why i think it was a political award more so than anything and that's why i'm like hey i'm i'm a, i'm as big a bobby lou fan as there is again i think there's an easy narrative to be painted i can i will it sounds bad i love bobby but i would sit there across the table and argue with him every day about it and be like well bobby i think i think you did it great for a guy that never had to be the guy I mean, even in 2011, as you just said it, Bobby Luca was this, he was that, he was this. Too bad his name wasn't Tim Thomas. It's, uh, that's the story of Bobby Luca's career. And when you don't have cups, when you don't have Vezinas, okay, one year you were the best guy not named Tim Thomas. That's, that's the best. That's yeah. the best we're going to do. I will long say this. Infinitely better to be the worst to have done than to be the best to have not done. And I think Marc-Andre Fleury could very well be the worst goalie to ever win a cup. Some people, you could probably make an argument to me that, yeah, you know what, in the grand scheme of it, maybe he is 
arguably the worst starting goalie to ever win a cup, save maybe Cam Ward. And over a, over a career or just over that season? Maybe over a career. And or maybe even over that season, maybe over the time period. Who well, knows? you could argue that might end up being Jonathan Quick, too. Oh, I don't know, because when Quick won his Cups, man, there was nobody that I would have wanted in that net more. Of than course, that. I agree with you, but when he wasn't winning Cups, he was hot dog shit. He was dog shit. But when Flurry was, when Flurry was winning Cups, I mean, even when they won their first one in Pittsburgh, he had lost the year prior. Those were the two, some of the two greatest Stanley Cups I've ever seen, those back-to-back years. 100%. 100%. But again, there was some doubts that was Flurry going to be enough to overcome the stability that was Chris Osgood looking him down the other end of the net. Was, it, was he going to be enough to overcome what was still a relatively stacked and fresh Detroit Red Wing team? Was this, you know, was he going to be able to do what he needed to do? And I think that's kind of the thing. But regardless, I think he gets in the hall. I think his longevity, his wearing the hats that he's needed to wear, I think him doing the jobs outside of necessarily being the best goalie, he did probably better than most anybody did, including, as I said, I think I think what's more interesting about Flurry is the effect he has on some of those other marginal people that didn't accomplish. Hey, uh, Sonny, I got to throw a dig at you. Not that I'm the biggest Marc-Andre Fleury fan, but uh, Braden Holpe might have that crown, not Marc-Andre Fleury. True enough. True enough. Well, that year that he won his Vezina, he had a great year. Yeah, that year. If you're talking about a year, <laughs> Mark, <laughs> if you're talking about that year, Marc-Andre Fleury, you might be right in some of those spots, especially when he, uh, what was it, 2000 and, which was the first year where Matt Murray, or the, the year where he played like half the playoffs? I think it was like 15 or 16, one of those, yeah, somewhere so, in there. 15, 16, 17, somewhere I mean, in those years. Can you even count two of Marc-Andre Fleury's Stanley Cups? Because, exactly. you, know, he, you know, he was, does he have one and a half cup? You know, like, right. what, is, what does he have here? And he could have had one, you know, he's had so many chances, at least four years here in, in, in Vegas. So, I mean. And, and that's true enough that, I mean, that's a very valid point because, even still, the first chance they got that second cup to put Matt Murray back in net, they took it. Mm-hmm. Like, even though f- – I think they finally got rid of it. What did they finally took him out of the net in the conference final? And it wasn't even that he necessarily needed to be relieved of his duties. But there was such little confidence in him that it was like, yeah, we need the other guy. Yeah, Murray was just ready. Yeah, he won, what, I think the first nine games. Yeah. Nine and or ten they were like, games. Yeah, thank you for your service, Mr. Flurry, but uh, grab some bench. Yeah, that's uh, pretty easy. Yeah, so, all right, let's talk about a couple of other things uh, going on because it was definitely a busy day. We're not going to get to all of them because, you know, it's, it's so much. I think there was said upwards of $600 million handed out in contracts uh, in one day. So, if you, so much for a fl- line of work. Yeah, so much for a flat cap era. Can I learn to skate real quick? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just going to kind of work backwards here because there's a couple of them. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to get to every one of them, but I, there's a couple I want to get to here. And the, and the first one was, just after Grubauer signing with Seattle, uh, the Avalanche go ahead and trade for Darcy Kemper. They give up a third round, a first, a second, and a third, and a defenseman Connor Timmons to the Coyotes in exchange for Darcy Kemper, who I believe has one year left at four and a half or five million dollars. Uh, there's another question, you know, like we talk about: Do you you obviously get the better end of that trade, but do you end up better than you were yesterday with with Philip Grubauer? over Darcy Kemper, or excuse me, Darcy Kemper over Philip Grubauer. 
I would say, I'll say the interesting thing about it is this. I think you know kind of what you're getting with Philippe Grubauer. I mean, he had essentially relieved the year Washington won the Cup. He was the guy who started this playoffs for Washington. They had Holtby on the bench. He had, he had taken Holtby out of that net. Yeah, Spike's um, mentioned that once or 2,000 times. <laughs> you know, I think, I think Grubauer – I think Grubauer could have a Vesna trophy within the next couple of years on his mantle. I could very much see it. Um, I think the interesting thing becomes what they can do in the playoffs. I don't know that you're any better with Darcy Kemper than you were with um, Philippe Grubauer. As a matter of fact, I don't know that you're, yeah, I don't even know that you're the same. I think you may have taken maybe a slight step back. I think one of the things that was interesting this morning on TSN they were saying is that Colorado, in terms of even strength goals expected, was the best team defensively in the league. So for any goalie coming in, it's a great situation. You're automatically playing behind a better team and that you're automatically playing behind a better defensive structure. I think it'll come down to the playoffs. I think Kemper had a, decent, had a couple of maybe, and I could be wrong, showings in playoffs with, um, the, with the Coyotes. And the Coyotes. Better than group. Was it, who was it? He was with the Kings as well. Was he? Yeah. And I think, I think that's maybe where Colorado was like, Hey, you know what? We can't keep Grubauer. Maybe Grubauer isn't going to be the guy. I can see why they made the hard stance on him. Grubauer has tanked every time he's had to show up in the playoffs. This wasn't the first time. And maybe uh, Darcy Kemper just doesn't have a team around him. Like he, you know, in Colorado, like he did in Arizona, you know, it's kind of the Nikola Habibulin effect, you know, when he was in Arizona, he was, he was the guy every night, Mike Smith for a long time too. So yeah, here's the, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I I was just going to say very quickly, the, um, uh, the COVID shortened year of, or COVID shortened season, I should say. Uh, If Kemper doesn't get hurt that year, I think he's a Vesna finalist. Uh, he was putting up unbelievable numbers. He was having the season of his life and he was playing for a pretty mediocre Arizona team. If he doesn't get hurt, he carries that team to a playoff. He gets all sorts of nods. Like he was having that kind of season. So I, I actually, I, I, if he can find that mojo again, and I know he's like 30 or 31 years old at this point. So, you know, maybe he's, able to have to bring that back physically if he can get that kind of a season again then i think colorado runs over the central i think i still think they're good i still think they're going to win the central but i am talking run the fuck over the central who's the who's the best of that big three in in colorado who's the best player um, it's by far, what's his name? Um, that, that says everything. Uh, McKinnon. McKinnon by far. Yeah. I, right, right now, McKinnon, but I think if you ask in a season or two, it might be Makar. Well, I, was, I, meant the but, big th- I meant the big three of McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, McKinnon by a mile, but I mean, Makar is going to put himself in that conversation as the best player on that team. Pretty oh, oh, yeah. Kel Makar is going to put himself in a conversation for being the best player in the league very soon. Um, I just yeah. – uh, the reason I say this is because I look at it, it's like Rantanen, 9.25, Landeskog, 7. And I know Nathan's coming up. Like, they better hope this cap goes up very soon. <laughs> You're well, really and that, Go ahead. That's kind of an interesting thing that Colorado's gotten themselves in because Landeskog is probably worth $7 million a year on that line. Sure. Um, Rantanen's probably worth 9.2 million on that line. 
Nathan McKinnon's probably going to be worth 9-9, 10-2 on that line. It's can they find 10-2 to give Nathan McKinnon? Like that's where it's going to become it. You're right. Like, and I think that's where the kind of the Kemper thing kind of fits in, in a way too. He has the one year left on the deal. It doesn't hurt them now. If they can get a cup in before McKinnon comes up for free agency, that's a huge selling feature. I think a guy like McKinnon, a guy like McDavid, they don't want to lose. They don't want to be career losers. And like, you see it on McKinnon's face. Like that was the thing that interested me most the last two playoffs was the look on Nathan McKinnon's face. It wasn't even sadness. It was just shock. It was just like, I'm better than absolutely everybody who's playing right now. And I'm the one going home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he, by the time, I think he said that publicly too. And I think every, and both years now that he's gotten eliminated in the playoffs, of the teams left, he is by far the best player that is still skating. Like it's, and I don't even think it's close. I don't think, I, you know, I know you love Tampa Bay. I don't think even anybody on Tampa at the level McKinnon's played at when he's gotten eliminated is anywhere in his stratosphere. And I think, I think the look on his face says it all of like, there's something not right about this. Like, why am I the one sitting here getting ready to shake hands and clean out lockers? Well, to be fair and play devil's advocate here, and Spike, you can back me up on this with the stats if you have them, against Vegas when they got eliminated, no goals, two assists, yeah. I think. I think that was his line in six games. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would have to look it up, but that sounds right. So, yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about this one, because this one I don't understand, because pre-draft, when Carey Price was all the rage, the NHL – stepped in when the rumors floated that Carey Price could be selected and then subsequently traded back to the Montreal Canadiens for picks. And the NHL said absolutely 100% not. Well, Vitek Vanacek just spent (laughs) four hours in Seattle and got (laughs) traded back to the Capitals for for a second-round pick. So please help me understand how that's okay that Vanacek, that, that happens to Vanacek, no disrespect to the guy, but Carey Price can't be moved and then subsequently moved back. I did. I'm, I'm confused here. I, I mean, you're trying to find logic from a league. <laughs> In that Gary Bettman's NHL. <laughs> with, with, that has a department of player safety that hasn't made a consistent call in the last five years. So, like, I just... You, you take it for what it is at face value and you move on and you hope there's nothing nefarious behind it. I, that's about all you can do, really. I mean, they can argue, Sonny, that after they they did this they did this deal after they signed Grubauer, or is there a statute of limitations that they had to wait X amount of days to to send a guy back? Yeah, I don't know what it could be. Honestly, I just it bo- it, it boggled my mind too. Like I've I've read it now a few times, like since it's happened, and I'm like there's all kinds of things wrong. Like there's gotta be something here that either a, we're not getting privy to, or maybe it's as innocent to trade as that. Maybe there's no salary retention. I know that was a big thing. Mm. I think with Montreal and Seattle, what a lot of people were talking about was that they'd select Carey Price and then trade him back to Montreal, but retain part of the salary. Fair. That could be the situation here. Yeah. And I think that could be what the difference is. Had it have been a situation where, yeah, they picked Carey Price and then Montreal subsequently just said, fine, we'll give you all of our first round picks for the next 20 years to get him back. It would have been fine. I think it's the idea that a lot of people had suggested Montreal was doing it to save on cap space. And that's where the NHL said, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. 
if there's salary retention, that's going to be a clear salary cap circumvention. circumvention. And we're, yeah, we're going to hammer down on that. So it could be just a situation where Washington looked at what was available. They didn't want to bring Holtby back. So they said, fuck it, here's a couple of picks. Let's get that guy get back again. Like, it could be it could be as innocent as that. Like yeah. there was no salary retention. Washington wanted him back to Seattle. They were like, "Yeah, that's a price we're willing to take for him." Here you go, have him right back. Mm, fair enough. All right. Um, was uh, this is a quick one just for you, Spike? Was Dan Vleiter just a fail in Boston? He got traded at Calgary. Yeah, no, I, I don't think he was. I think it was just they had more confidence in Swayman and they were happy to move forward with Rask when he becomes healthy, which they're saying is probably going to be January, February. And they knew they were going to be able to get somebody in free agency, which they did off Olmark. So I don't think he's a fail. I just, you know, between the two, between the two prospects of Swayman and Vladar, I think, you know, Darth Vladar just lost the, uh, the battle. Curious about that. I mean, you could have had a Vladar Swayman kind of a plateau for real cheap in that spot. So, yeah, I mean, theoretically, yeah, but you know, you can't go into a season competing for. Uh, uh, no, Swayman could have been the number one, and and Vladar could have. Yeah, hey, you're going to be the backup. You're going to get twenty five, thirty games. That, I mean, that that's a tough sell to a fan base when you're you know, going from Rask and Halak to Swayman and Vladar, that's, I think, a, a, a tougher sell. Now, like, I have every confidence that Swayman is a good NHL goalie. I have every confidence that Swayman's going to be able to get it done. When Rask comes back, Rask, by the way, I don't know if you know this, his all-time uh, goals against average is tied for number one with Dominic Hasek and uh, Ken Dryden. Um, so, like, no, not goals against, save percentage is uh, Hashik and Dryden and Tuka Rask all have a, like, 9-2-2 career save percentage. Ridiculous numbers. Um, so, when he comes back, I think it's Rask and Swayman or, you know, Rask and Olmark. But I, I think Swayman is the goalie of the future, and there was just no room for Vladar knowing that they could get something for him right now from Calgary. All right, fair enough. Okay, I was just curious about that with a plateau. You're right; they are they are contenders in a tough metropolitan, or excuse me, in a tough Atlantic division that they uh, they may need a little bit uh, to to tide them over until Tuka comes back. Then, what do you do if Swayman's playing a beast? You put yeah. Tuka in a backup role. And not only that, but they took Olmark away from Buffalo. So not only did the Bruins make themselves better in the short term and the long term, but they made Buffalo worse in the short term. So. It's the, Didn't even know if that was possible. <laughs> it's a double move for him. <laughs> All right, Dougie Hamilton's in New Jersey here. Seven years, $9 million average annual value. Uh, to make that room, they sent out Will Butcher in a fifth to the Sabres. But uh, Dougie Hamilton was the defensive creme de la creme here. I'm not, I'm not as sold on Dougie Hamilton as, as a lot of people are. And, and there was actually uh, a couple of guys on, on social media that said, you know, wait till he's not sitting there with Jacob Slavin as his running mate and see how good Dougie Hamilton actually is. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of on the same board too. Um, I, I'm kind of in the same situation there with Dougie Hamilton. I don't know that he's a nine, what was it, nine million? You got, it was nine at seven, right? Uh, seven at nine, AAV. Yeah. Nine, nine AAV, yeah. Yeah, for se- over seven years. That's a lot of money, especially for the, for, it was the Devils? Mm-hmm. like that's a big price for the debt like and maybe i'm missing something here are the devil's supposed to be getting good or something like 
that's a lot of money for a guy that, yeah, I'm not convinced yet that he's a $9 million guy. I don't know that he ever had the upward potential of being a $9 million guy, but again, I guess it's when your, when your time comes due and he lucked out that, yeah, he was the top uh, guy on the D, but I think for Dougie Hamilton, pardon me. No, as I said, they already got a $9 million guy in PK. Yeah. Eighteen million on the Devils is locked up by two guys, not none of which are named Martin Broder. Like it's, <laughs> it's 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 just it's 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 ridiculous to a team that has a lineage that they do. Like this is almost insulting, and uh, yeah, I, I I'm 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 blown away. I don't think he's a nine million dollar defenseman. I don't think he's a nine million dollar defenseman for New Jersey, but I think it's interesting. I think he said, "Show me the money," and they did. It's, it's clearly a guy who doesn't care about winning anymore. <laughs> like that's, that's, I think what he said is I'll take more money to not win. Yeah. They're still going to be bad. I mean, you look at their team and you've got, yeah, like I said, you got 18 million wrapped up in Dougie and PK and you're, you're going to trot out Jonathan Bernier as your starter next year. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's exciting. <laughs> like, I don't think you know what that word exciting means because that is not exciting at all. Uh, it'll be fun to watch. It'll be fun. It'll be fun because you know other teams could be like this is what helps Ovechkin get past Gretzky. Those games against New Jersey when he's just like, games, yeah. yeah, or he's just like, oh wow, this is cool. Yeah, the real big thing for for New Jersey, and I don't want to spend too much time on them because you're right. I think they're going to stink again. Is the fact that everybody and their average age of their forwards is 22.9 years old. So yeah. it's really a, we're still developing. And I guess that's why they took, gave them seven years because PK is out of there after this year. And that's another 9 million on the books, but uh, yeah. you're, yeah, you're right. This is going to be another bad year where we're just sitting there kind of trying to develop guys. I think an interesting one, and we haven't talked about them yet. I think this is probably the last thing I'm going to have the energy to talk about is going to be the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, I mean, essentially, they're Toronto believes they're the center of the universe, but um, the Maple Leafs had an interesting day today because of all, all the teams in the they are one of the truest ones where they on paper are legitimately bona fidely worse over the last few days than they were before they woke up on Monday morning. Like, that, like I don't know if they've decided, hey, we need to take a step back, maybe we aren't going to be competing for one of those top two spots because they're in the metro aren't they no they're in the atlantic right they're in the yeah okay yeah you're right yeah okay (laughs) like i don't know that they were that much better than everybody else in the atlantic that they could take the steps back that they did um and a similar situation i don't know that peter morazic is your guy I, i i don't know that he's even i don't know that he's in freddie anderson's league to be perfectly honest I think Freddie Anderson made out like a winner today. I think he was the biggest winner. There's no pressure to win in Carolina. Everything Carolina does is an overachievement. (laughs) That's a fair assessment. You know, so if he won a Vezina in Carolina, he's like, hey, who the hell expected this? Who expected a win? It's uh, whereas Morazic's going to have every single reporter in Canada down his neck every game. Like, I don't know that Toronto – it's weird. And then losing Hyman, they lost Bogosian. I don't know. That's a team that I think is losing a little bit of their grip on reality. Probably so, but they still have those top guys and they still have a lot of veterans at the bottom that are just 
I don't know. You're right. As far as winning the Atlantic, I see three teams probably better than them. So yeah, you might be looking at a wild card Maple Leaf. Yeah, like that's a that's a weird situation where again, I think this was a season of coulda, shoulda, wouldas, and I think when you look at especially what could have been accomplished um, by the teams like Toronto. Um, I mean, Montreal's in a weird situation there, but I mean, Toronto's is arguably on paper Canada's best team, period. Whether anybody wants to admit or not, it, they are. And to take that big of a step back that I think they've taken, it's, 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 an, interesting, it's an interesting move. And I think maybe they're looking at something come trade deadline. I don't know. But I thought that was, that was a team that stuck out to me because even Edmonton got better. Like, I think McDavid held the management's feet to the coals a little bit this summer and said, get better or get me the hell out of here. Yeah, the problem is, if you're looking at deadline here, they've got no space. They've got no space. I mean, you've got 30, what, $34 million locked up in the top three. Yeah. There's just no space. There's no space unless you're moving, I don't know, a guy like TJ Brody in that spot, which yeah. it's, it's going to be tough. Oh, he has yeah. a no-trade clause, so that would be even tougher. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, at that point, like, what are you really hoping for? Like, if you're looking at a goalie, I mean, would e- even if you're looking for a guy having a career, like a bounce-back season that, you know, people thought, you know, were ready to throw the towel on, I mean, the only one, again, you're getting cheap is Braden Holtby, which you argue, which you make a very compelling argument, is probably the best goalie to have done things, or the well, worst goalie to have done things. Well, let me, let me, let me throw another name at you. Jack Campbell. I don't know that Jack Campbell's there yet. He's already there. He's there. I mean, the guy's 30 years old at this point. He either needs to be I there mean, or be gone. Well, I mean, but okay, Winnipeg's in the same boat. Losing Brassois to you guys, that was a huge blow. I thought Lauren Brassois was a, was a legit um, uh, backup. Like, losing Brassois, who does exactly what a backup should be doing, winning two out of every three starts. They need to be winning two-thirds of their starts. Brassois does that. Eric Comrie's never been an NHL caliber goalie. He's barely an AHL caliber goalie. And I think when you start seeing some of these moves, I think, yeah, you're right, Jack Campbell, it's either you're good now or you're never going to be good. Okay. (laughs) You could probably lump him in that not going to be good enough category as of now. I I don't know. I mean, he played decent. I know, albeit against the North, but I I mean, Jack Campbell at 1.6, I mean, Correct me if I'm wrong here, but uh, I, I think I can take Jack Campbell at 1.6 when I was allowing Freddie Anderson to have an 89 for 895% save percentage. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. If I was allowing that to be my goalie, I'm perfectly okay with Frederick Cara with Jack Campbell being my goalie. Well, I mean, Toronto's got all kinds of management issues, and I mean, they let William Nylander hold them hostage, and then he got what he wanted. Like, this is a, a management group that makes some decent moves and then the same breath, it's just like, what are you doing? And I don't, I, I just, I don't know. Like, Morazic, do, do you think the price they paid and what he's going to deliver was a fair price? I don't know that it was for Peter Morazic. His well, best days were back in Detroit. Well, that's why I was kind of curious of what, what's a fair price for him because you're right, he got, he got, uh, relieved of his duties by a guy who also is no longer in Carolina and developed. Right. So I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a weird situation, but yeah, I, a uh, lot of signings here. Um, 
they're, they're going to be coming down the, the market here as well. So we'll probably, the last one I want to talk about uh, of this one, and then we'll shut her down uh, for the first podcast here, is Philip Deneau. That's a guy I wanted Vegas to get. I knew Tampa couldn't afford him, but that's a guy that's, uh, what, five and change million a year. I was willing to let a guy like Alex Martinez walk, or Alec Martinez, but that's a guy that would have definitely not, maybe not provided the offensive spark, but definitely could have taken Mark Stone's role and, and said, hey, Mark, this year you're going to focus on putting a thing in a thing. Don't worry about being a two-way guy. Yeah. Who got to know? The Kings. Wow, that's a bit, that's an interesting move on the Kings. Yeah, yes, uh, I I'm with you on that. I think Dino would have been a nice, uh, uh, nice center. I I'm still not convinced that even if he's not scoring, I'm not convinced that he has the assist touch that Vegas needs for that first line center role. But I mean, just winning the faceoffs that he does playing the defense that he does, I think that certainly makes the team better. Yeah, it would have been a nice move to have. That was a, a tough loss to lose him to L.A. like that. I'm, I'm actually surprised that a team that is currently like $2 million over the salary cap has no true 1C and uh, is still looking for its identity after losing such horrible fashion to Montreal had the general manager come out today and say that they're done making moves. So I'm slightly perplexed at the direction this Vegas team is going after losing out on a guy like Deneau, but. Not only, not only does Deneau step into one C, it, it, it moves Stevenson to the three C, which I think is only makes you better at retooling your bottom six. I mean, agreed. That's the the big move. I think. Yeah. The only center on Vegas that can keep up with Alec Tuck's speed is Stevenson. The two of them have to be paired together at some point. And they just, they don't have anybody to replace Stevenson as the one seed unless they want to move Carlson and break up the misfit line, but they just, they still haven't done that yet. And I'm shocked, but I'm not shocked. I'm, I'm okay with it. So it's going to be interesting. I, I'm, I'm ready for an, a true 82 game season back to, quote-unquote normal hockey I'm ready to be back to that and and that's that's the big thing and and we're obviously you know a couple months away we got more stuff to talk about on the next podcast but uh, I think that's a good spot here to end uh, the first unhealthy scratch podcast here presented by nobody yet we'd love a sponsor so if you want to sponsor us <laughs> you want to sponsor us get with us actually I uh I'll, I, you can hit us up on the old uh, on the old email vegasquarespodcast at gmail.com until we can get ourselves a new email for this one. And uh, if you're a Fiverr uh, logo drawer, also hit us up because I'm going to be hitting you guys up on Fiverr for, I- I'm curious to know what an artist is going to come up with, what logo they're going to come up with for unhealthy scratch. Cause I right. really have, I probably have to tell them specifically that it is a hockey podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, 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 the tube of, uh, of jock itch ointment. I don't know. Boom. Tough actin's uh, and actin. <laughs> God. Hey, there's our sponsor right there. There you go. <laughs> Hemorrhoid cream. Yeah, this, this podcast has been brought to you by Epsom salts. <laughs> <laughs> Without them, I wouldn't be able to sit still. Oh, it's God. also brought to you by Dicey Canadian Internet. Old to Americans, new to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We couldn't see Sunny the whole podcast. <laughs> Somebody must have plugged in one too many things into the one outlet Canada has. (laughs) 
So, all right. Well, that is going to do it for the first Unhealthy Scratch podcast for Spike, for the dude, Sonny D. I am Aaron. We definitely appreciate you listening. Catch us on Spotify. We're going to be under the Unhealthy Scratch. Uh, We might be on some other avenues here in the future, but right now Spotify is your main source for finding all of this great hockey talk. So, again, Spike, the the dude, Sonny D. I am Aaron. We appreciate you guys listening. We will catch you on the next one. Thank you.